So we are in an amazing series where we're talking about Exodus. And originally, I thought we were talking about just the book of Exodus, but actually Exodus, like God taking you into something or bringing you out of something. And whenever I was thinking about this, I started thinking about Jesus. And a lot of times we don't think about the fact that Jesus was brought into a wilderness. And I wanted to kind of talk to you about that today because it really changed my perspective on a lot of things. And it, and it challenged my perspective as I was studying it personally. And so, you know, in our life, I think that we don't often understand much of what's happening around us. And not only do we question our own decisions at times, but we tend to question God's decisions and his ways even more than our own. And, you know, we definitely miss out on what's going on around us because often, way more often than in the spirit, we operate in the flesh. And we think in the flesh and, and we respond in the flesh and we process in the flesh. And the reason why that happens is because we're flesh. And uh, if you don't involve God, there's not going to be another perspective in your situation or in your life. And so one of the things that I'm learning and I've learned in some areas, have you ever noticed like you learn something in one area and you think like I've learned it and then you have to relearn it in another area? Has anyone ever done that? Yeah, you can talk back to me. I like that. So um, like it's, it can be frustrating, right? Because you're like, I already learned that patience. Why do I need to learn it over here? And I feel like in our life, as we become adults, we're just relearning lessons we think we've already learned, but it just goes deeper. And one of the things that I've learned is, and I'm still learning, is if it comes natural to me, it's most likely because I'm not being spirit-led. So if I am frustrated, I don't really know that that's a fruit of the spirit, because there's other ones, like long-suffering, patience. That's what that basically means. And so for me, I just think in my life, if I'm, if I'm stepping into it and it's easy for me, that's not just because I'm talented. That's because I'm operating in the flesh. <laughs> so think about that in whatever season or whatever area in your life right now that maybe you're looking at and you're going, like maybe you got into an argument with a friend, with a boss, with a parent, with somebody in your life. Isn't it so easy to say things that you look back and you go, probably shouldn't have said that, but it was easy to say. It almost felt good to say because it gratifies your flesh. But anything that is easy or gratifies your flesh is not going to move you forward in the spirit. And so to be spirit-led, it takes work and it takes awareness, and it's not easy to do. It's actually impossible to do in your own strength. It would not make sense as, I don't know if you realize you're a human, so to be a human means you have flesh. So to be spirit-led, yes, we are also spirit and flesh, but if you look, you're more flesh than spirit in the natural, right? So we have to access and activate. If I think about it in this way, okay, it's like the lightsaber of your flesh. A lightsaber is, without it being like the button push, whatever, I'm not, I don't know the terminology, I'm just gonna be real. Whatever, it just like, it's normal and it looks like, I don't know, like a piece of metal you could throw at somebody. And they're like, wow, that's interesting. But if you push the button, all of a sudden, like, everyone, do you know the noise that it makes? Something like that. <laughs> Guys make way better noises than girls when it comes to, like, cars and other things. Cats? Okay. Uh, 
But it's like all of a sudden you turn on the light and it's like, it's like this thing that happens, right? And, you know, your lightsaber might be blue, it might be green, hopefully it's not red because any of the red ones I've seen aren't positive. But that's like how it is in our spirit. If we turn on our spirit side, okay, all of a sudden there's this light that comes through the flesh and it actually is way more prominent than something we would see in the flesh. But it takes you accessing that power. Like I could throw a lightsaber handle, I think with a normal sword it's called a hilt, I think. Is that right? Hilt? Yeah. Um, I could like maybe do something with that, but my lightsaber is going to be a lot stronger than the handle, right? Because that's the whole point of a sword. And so in Romans 8, 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, or daughters. Okay? But, so if you're led by the Spirit, then you belong to God. Then you're a son or a daughter of God. So sometimes I'm acting like an orphan child because I'm not being led by my Spirit. But we all know we're sons and daughters of God, so we gotta, we got to live like that and act like that. Because, you know, for me, I bear my parents' last name, which is Kraft, and my husband's last name, which is Ambrose. And for me, if my dad always says, like, that's not what crafts do. Or you can decide, you're not maybe craft. If you are, cool. Hi, we're probably family. But, like, <laughs> if you could think to yourself and decide that's not what blank does. Like, you get to decide what you're okay with. But most importantly, you should be bouncing that off of who God is and who he says that we should be. Not just your last name that you were given or a last name that you took. But really deciding this is who I reflect. So that's how I'm going to respond. So in John 14, 26, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Have you ever been in a moment and you don't even really know, like sometimes maybe you're operating in the Spirit, but all of a sudden a moment will happen and a scripture will come to you or God will remind you of something. And that's like a like download gift all of a sudden that happens. Like you didn't have to work for it, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reminds you of something that you were taught. And it, it works in your situation. Has anyone ever had that happen? Like for me, I know I've been in conversations with people, and all, all of a sudden, either whether I'm praying for them or whether I'm just with them and we're talking, all of a sudden, I'll just say all these scriptures, and I'm like, wow, I know scriptures. And it like just happens, you know? But I think what, the reason why that happens is because I've poured them into my life. And that's why they can come up, right? So the Holy Spirit will actually come and remind you of things that you've poured into your spirit. And the thing, the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Even Jesus Needed the Holy Spirit, <laughs> which is an interesting thought, and I'm going to get into that. So I don't know about you, but for me, most of my life, I've heard from my parents growing up, don't touch that. Has anyone else ever heard that? Yeah. So whether it's a plate of cookies, whether it's a piece of candy, a little Debbie, whatever you wanted, maybe it was for you the stove, your danger, pyro. My brother burned off half his finger with a blowtorch once, just burning things. He is a pyro. If you didn't know that about Pastor Josh, it's a real thing. We've, we've kept it under the spirit, so it's not happening anymore. <laughs> but he was constantly playing with, like, candles and flames, and it was dangerous. For me, I was just like, where's the cookie, you know? And, and if you're like me, um, I would maybe get in a situation, because we didn't have a lot of sweets in my house, so if there were cookies, that was a big deal for me. Um, my family was like, protein drinks, we're going on a workout. I know you're five, let's go. Like, my family was very disciplined, so but they didn't even have protein cookies then. They only had Met Metrex bars, and they tasted like tar, 
And if you ever had the first type of Metrex bars, you know what I'm talking about. It was terrible. My dad was like sponsored by them. So they were like, you're hungry? Here's a Metrex bar. I'm like, what? This is terrible. I'm not hungry anymore. So back to the cookies. So my mom would have a plate of cookies and I was really smart maybe, I would go and find a cookie and then resituate the cookies so it didn't look like one was missing, because who's going to count the cookies as long as they look okay, right? I don't know if you've ever done that, or maybe like your parent walked around the corner and they're like, don't touch that stove, it's hot, and you're like, I know it's hot, and then you go around and you're like, you burn yourself, and you're like, ow, oh, dang it, like my parents always used to tell me, don't do things, and I would find myself trying to find a way to do them so they didn't find out, and a lot of us operate like that with God. We see a guy or a girl, and we're like, I want that. And he's like, don't touch that. And we try to do things in the dark or around a way so we can make it work, still trying to get away from the consequences. <laughs> and what I've learned in my life is that I'm not just told don't touch that because they don't want me to have it. It's because they can see beyond what I can see. And that's the same way with God. A lot of times we think that God's withholding things from us or we can think like, why is he letting this happen? And what I can tell you with God every single time is he can see beyond what you can see. And you're either going to choose to be spirit led or led by the flesh. But with the spirit, there is never a consequence. There's only more promises. With the flesh, there's always a curse or consequences. And so whenever I'm thinking about this story, I, I think about how everybody faces temptations. I don't care if you're from whatever family you're from, if you've grown up in church your whole life, I don't care if you've never done anything, which whenever we say like, oh, I've never done anything, we always think like sexually, like I don't know why, but we're like, oh, I'm no, I'm good, I've come to church, I've never done anything, but does your life have any proof that you're actually following God, or just have you not done anything based on like a religious requirement that's somewhere in your mind of like, I haven't had sex before marriage, so I'm okay, like that doesn't mean you're actually like going in a good direction with God. So, or like, I've never done drugs before, so I'm okay, or I only did it once. Like, we have like all these things in our mind, like, I've only done that once, or I, like, I'm not, I'm not that bad, like, uh, like, we try to like measure ourselves based on what we do and what we don't do, but it's actually, if you could think about it, am I making decisions and living my life based on my spirit or based on the flesh? And that's really how you know how close you are to God and how much you trust God. So, if we all face temptations, what you can know is that Jesus did too. You know, growing up, I also heard this. The devil made me do it. <laughs> There's been like songs about it. People have said things like, you know, the devil's just trying to get at me. He's just trying to tempt me. The devil's just trying to come at me hard. Like he's just going for it, man. And we give the devil so much credit in our life. And we, we like talk about the power of the devil, but we're not talking about the power of God that works in our life. And we always can like point the finger and be like, well, the devil's just, he's trying to make me feel discouraged. Well, I'm depressed because the devil, like, well, whatever this, this and this. And actually like the truth is the devil doesn't have any power that we don't let him have. Like, do you know that you have power over the enemy? You actually have authority because of God over the enemy. So if the devil's winning in your life, it's because you're letting him. And that's like a very humbling thing to realize. So if your job's not working out over and over again, Pastor Key says, wherever you go, there you are. That has nothing to do with the devil. You just probably need to kick your own butt because you're lazy or you have a bad attitude. I've been both of those things before. That's why I'm saying that. So here's the thing. Like, the devil made me do it actually isn't a real thing. That's just a cop-out. And we like to point the finger and um, the Bible talks about that in the scripture, but I don't have time to get into that one. But don't point the finger because it's immature. 
okay? We all face temptation. And if you look at Jesus in Matthew 4, Jesus was actually coming off like the high point of his life. He had just been baptized, and the Holy Spirit, it says that he descended upon him, and all of a sudden, God like peels back the heavens, and he says this. So imagine, has anyone ever been baptized in here? What? I don't know what language that was, but like, has, if, it, if you've been baptized, like, you think like it's going to be a really cool moment, but then you come out of the water and you're like, it's just water, right? Like, it's like, it happened, but it's in the spirit. But like with Jesus, he gets baptized and all of a sudden the heavens roll back and you hear God's voice saying, this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. Wow. I wish that would have happened when I was baptized. Like, Kila, yes, you have accepted the call. You are mine and I'm going to bless you forever. Like, yeah. I know. Did everyone hear that? I think a dove descended, or just ascended, not descended. It went up. <laughs> so basically, like, that would be a pretty high point in your life. If, like, God's voice was audible. Like, I hear God, but it's somewhere in here. Okay? Like, I, I've never heard the audible voice of God that I don't think. I don't know. We aren't very smart as humans, so maybe I did once. I don't know. But... For me, like, that would, be really, that would be a really cool moment. So Jesus comes off of this moment, and we know from Hebrews that Jesus experienced every temptation that we're going to face, yet he never sinned, which is pretty impressive because he was human. I don't know if we ever realized that he was human. The whole point was to connect us to God, so God let him make his own decisions just like we can. So in Hebrews 4, I'm just going to read this to you because I've heard this scripture before, but I didn't really actually take it to heart because I didn't understand it. I don't know if you've ever done that with scripture. You're like, yeah, that's good. How does that apply to my life? So let me read this to you. It says, we have a great high priest. He has gone up into heaven. He is Jesus, the son of God. So let us hold firmly to what we say we believe. We have a high priest. We're talking about Jesus. We have a high priest who can feel it when we are weak and hurting. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way just as we are, but he did not sin. So let us boldly approach God's throne of grace. Then we will receive mercy. We will find grace, and he will help us when we need it. Why? Because he understands what we're going through. So a high priest back in the time, if we were to talk about it this way, it would be like, I have a leader. I have a pastor. I have somebody in my life who's faced what I face, and they've never sinned, and I can follow that. And not only that, he's faced or she's faced the temptation that I have, so he's going to give me or she's going to give me mercy and grace because she's been there or he's been there. That's what that scripture is saying. So it says approach the throne boldly, like whether you've sinned. Obviously, we all sin, so that's us. But we're going to approach the throne, throne boldly with, with what we have and who we are because God knows and understands what we face. He gets it. It's not just like he's up there with a big mallet going, yep, whack-a-mole, you're out. Like, he understands where you've been. And a lot of times we think that he's out to get us, but he's out to actually help us win. But we actually ruin our life and point the finger at the devil or God when we're the ones that made it happen. Okay. So, how did Jesus do it? How did he not have sin? Let's look, at, let's look specifically at how Jesus handled his temptation when the devil tempted him. So in the Bible, it talks about how after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit filled Jesus. And when you miss this part a lot, I know I did. Then it says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, into temptation. What? Thank you, Holy Spirit. What the heck? Like, do you realize? Okay, God blesses him, acknowledges him as his son in front of everybody. Some people were maybe wondering, is he really the son of God? Then like, an audible voice of God would really confirm that for me. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, it's real, guys. Like, 
he's real, you know. But like then, so he's acknowledged as God's son, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes, and Jesus is human, okay? When he was on the earth, he was human. So the Holy Spirit came and filled him, just like the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. A lot of people don't really know what the Holy Spirit is, and they think it's something weird for Halloween. It is not. The best way I can explain it to you is that it's that little voice or that conscience that probably you've pushed away so much that you don't even hear it anymore. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like the cell phone to God. Literally, like without, like, I don't know if you guys ever had, didn't have a cell phone. I remember not having a cell phone. And now I'm like, whoa, how did I not get kidnapped when my parents dropped me off at the mall? How did I actually meet up with people or know where the people were? Like, I had to map quest everything and look at a map. That was weird. Like, I don't know if you guys ever, I'm sure you did, because you're, like, around my age, and so we live that life together. But um, before cell phones, it was very hard to reach people, because then you had to just wait up, like, well, we're going to meet up in three hours, so I guess I'll tell them when I see them. <laughs> or send a descending, ascending dove, whatever. <laughs> so, like, think about the Holy Spirit this way, modern, right? He is the cell phone straight to God. He basically communicates to us for God, and we communicate to God through the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So he's kind of like, Jesus all of a sudden got his cell phone, okay? So all of a sudden, Jesus gets his cell phone, Holy Spirit, and he's like, God's basically saying, hey, I'm with you now. I'm in your pocket. I'm going to take you. I need you to take a left, a right, and then a left. And see this thing? I'm going to need you to go into that. Yeah, that's a wilderness. I understand. So the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. How cool does that sound? Because, like, when I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit leading me, I'm thinking, like, to a palace, with donuts and the plate of cookies that I wanted when I was little. But the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness and into temptation. So in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, this is where this picks up. And they're going to put it on the screen, hopefully, for you. Because it's a pretty big scripture. So we're going to go by this or through this together. So the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert. There the devil tempted him. Yay! After 40 days and 40 nights of going without eating, that is a long time, Jesus was hungry. Like the Bible says. The Bible tells us Jesus was hungry. Some of you guys haven't eaten for 40 minutes, and you're like, I'm hangry right now. Like, I'm talking about he didn't have a smart water or a Lunchable to take with him. He could have died. He was human. I'm just going to reiterate that, okay? 40 days and 40 nights of no eating. Jesus was hungry. Then the tempter came to him. Doesn't he always come when we're hungry or depleted? He said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. The first thing Jesus is thinking is, that sounds good. If I'm thinking of bread, I'm thinking of probably a croissant or a flaky crepe, something delicious, right? Like, I'm not thinking of, like, sourdough. It's weird. Maybe, like, a pound cake. Cookie dough, even. That's bread, right? Okay, so, so basically, the devil's like, hey... You think the devil didn't know he was hungry? The devil notices when you take time for God. He notices when you're paying a price for God. He notices when you're trying to get closer to God. That's what fasting is. So if you're trying to do something for God, the enemy is going to probably come after you. And he's going to know exactly what you want in that moment, whether it's to get back with that guy or girl, whether it's to try a hit one more time, whether it's to just take one more drink. He's going to know what you want in that moment, and he's going to go straight to that immediate desire. So he goes, hey, turn this stone into bread because Jesus could do that. I can't. It is written, this is Jesus' response, man must not live only on bread. He must also live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city. He had, he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. I think the devil could teleport because they were in the wilderness. That's pretty cool. So he takes him to the holy city. He had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God. So then he not only he doesn't get the immediate gratification from Jesus that he wants him to get. So then he starts challenging who he is, which God just said who he is. Isn't that how the enemy works? We get told who we are by God, and then the enemy questions it. So he says, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down. Then Jesus respond, responds, or he's still talking, actually. It is written, the Lord will command his angels to take good care of you. They will lift you up in their hands, and they won't let you trip over a stone. So he's, you don't know the devil knows the Bible? Did you know that? Yeah, he does. So do demons, because they were angels. They know the Bible. So they'll try to use the word against you, or people will. Okay, so he says the scripture back to him, because Jesus is using scripture against the devil. Then Jesus answered to him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Finally, the devil took Jesus up to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all of this. Notice here, Jesus doesn't question if he can, because the devil actually has authority in the earth, but he doesn't have authority in our life. Okay, so then Jesus comes back and he says, Get away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God. He is the only one you should serve. Then the devil left Jesus, and angels came and took care of him. Okay, so I'm going to get into those little three temptations here, but let me just help you understand this. If it looks good and it's very attractive, it's probably not good for you. I don't know about you, but the best things in my life came in difficulty. It didn't come with ease. So if it up front looks nice, see behind the curtain. Okay, we are so used to choosing what's easiest that becoming what God wants us to be doesn't even seem like an option. We're like, well, I really want to do this for God, but that seems like a big, like, faraway dream, so I'm just going to go for this. You can't really even do anything great without God. So why would you try to do it without God and settle for less? doesn't really make sense. So the word temptation actually is synonymous with the word trial because in the Greek, the word can actually be translated both ways. So what God uses or gives us, a, what God uses to give us a trial or a test, Satan almost always uses as temptation. God intends and means to build you up through a trial, but Satan actually uses that trial as a temptation to pull you down. The temptation of Jesus offers a clear example, and we know that the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness, tempting him to turn away of the path of obedience that God had for him. So Jesus already knew his call. You can actually already know your call. God wants you to follow his example. He wants you to love other people. He wants you to love him. And he has big plans for you that are unique inside of that. But the devil will try to take you off that path and try to distract you, right? Because if, if the devil can distract you, he doesn't have to destroy you. He can just get you distracted enough to where you don't even have to worry about God's promise or God's plan because you're on your plan. So Luke 4, 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. Multiple times we hear this translated in the Bible that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, led him away from people, led him away from the food, led him away from the water, away from everything that would be naturally pleasant to him. And I look at that and I go, okay, who did the leading? The Holy Spirit. Who did the tempting? The devil. 
Testing and trials are a normal part of our life as a Christian. And a lot of times we don't take that into account. We just think, well, I'm going to receive God in my life and everything's going to be perfect. When you receive God in your life and you receive salvation from Jesus, you literally just put a target on your back because you're a threat to the enemy. So what you're promised is not an easy life, but what you are promised is you'll never be alone. And you'll always be equipped and you'll always have authority. I want that life over an easy life. So these trials and tests are actually a part of God's teaching path for your life. He puts difficult choices in front of you every day so that by following him and trusting in those, those, that thing that like you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this circumstance is going to work out. But God's bigger than my circumstance. God's bigger than my problem. You actually become stronger when you can believe that and act in that. So a trial actually only becomes a temptation if we respond the wrong way to the trial. The things that are intended to make us stronger actually tear us down with the enemy and they make us weaker when we respond in the flesh. So if you're not learning to respond in the spirit, you're actually falling prey to a temptation that was supposed to just teach you. It was supposed to make you stronger. It was supposed to make you bolder. It was supposed to make you more aware of who God's called you to be and the power that he's given you. But instead, you've become weaker because you choose your own way. You see, our society plays around with temptation. Oscar Wilde actually once said, I can resist anything but temptation. And the easiest way to get rid of temptation is to yield to it. The world will try to tell you, just, you're fine. Everyone's doing it. It's not that big of a deal. If someone has to say that to you, it's a big deal. Those are the words of the enemy. You're, you're not enough. You'll never make it. You'll never be good enough on your own. Do you know that all of those things are true? But not with God. Because with God, you're more than enough because he's more than enough. With God, you're actually gonna make it. With God, you can actually see great things happen in your worst moments. So these three temptations fall into broad categories, but they can be applied to the temptations that we face in life today. You see, the first temptation there was an appeal to his physical need. Jesus was hungry. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, I will take this grass right now. I don't even care about bread. Like, if there's a bug, I'm eating it. Protein. You Mexican people, you put those crickets in food like it's food. I don't understand it. Maybe I don't understand it because I've never tasted it. There's crickets. They're there. Robert, you're a Puerto Rican. Okay, so... The first temptation appeals to the physical need to satisfy his own hunger and doubt that God can provide. Do you realize that's all through the Bible? We doubt that God can provide as humans and we miss out on what God actually wanted for us because we took the cheap choice. We take McDonald's over something else. I don't know, but I'd rather choose anything than McDonald's. You might love it, but it probably has a lot of chemicals in it. Okay. So the first temptation then was to get him to be selfish, to only think of himself, to satisfy an immediate urge. The second temptation, there was a temptation to take a shortcut. Jesus knows that he's supposed to fulfill the plan of his father, that he was gonna go to Jerusalem and suffer, but instead the devil took him to Jerusalem and said, instead of you suffering, you can have all of this as your kingdom. That would be tempting. The second temptation was to do with going the easy way. The third temptation, finally the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus with giving him power. He said, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world if you worship me. 
The third temptation was to gain influence quickly. And doesn't that sound like us? Our whole generation wants to be famous. We want to have thousands of followers. We want to be the next big thing. And we want to get it quick. We want the get rich quick. We want to get the get famous quick path. That's why we take seminars. That's why we click on those Instagram banners. And we're like, ooh, how to gain a thousand followers in a week? Me. Like, we are so tempted. It's called, I think, like clickbait. <laughs> we're tempted by it because it's the, it's the fast way. You know, Jesus was never concerned about having influence. He was only concerned with being an example and leading the way. Shouldn't that be what we do if Jesus did that? Jesus could have had influence. He wasn't worried about it. He had 12 dudes, and some of them left him. You know, there's an old saying, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. If you don't follow God, if you aren't spirit-led, you're going to find your way to wherever you're going to go anyways because the enemy is going to lead you there in your flesh. But with God, it talks about there's, there's a man that plans his own ways, but God directs his steps. You can plan your own ways, but if you don't submit them to God, you're not going to get to what he has for you. Every temptation of the devil was a shortcut. Like, we think, well, Jesus was smart enough. He, he didn't have to fall for that. He was human. He was hungry. He was tired. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get put on a cross and get beaten to death. If God told me, hey, that's your path, and most of the disciples and Jesus, that's how their life ended. They knew that they were going to pay a price to have something great for God. But we don't take that challenge because we live in America and we have so many freedoms and we get to sit on our cushy tempur beds at night. We think, well, I'm just gonna follow God and my life's gonna work out. No, at the point you follow God, you take the challenge of I'm gonna use my authority for God, not for influence. I'm gonna use my life for God and I don't care what anybody else says because love compels people and love actually expels people because they get confused. And you know, sometimes, Sometimes the, the worst word that people can hear in the world is not the F word. It's Jesus. That's the most offensive word in the world. I don't know if you realize that. That's why it's taken out of schools. That's why it's taken out of courthouses. That's why it's taken out of families. Because the word of Jesus exposes love. It breaks down barriers. And people get uncomfortable with that love because they know if it's exposing, it's going to show it's not working in them. But God's not concerned with that. The enemy tries to tell you that lie. God just wants your heart. He doesn't care where it's been. He doesn't care what you've allowed in. He just wants it how it is. And the world will try to push it away. And our flesh will try to push it away. And the enemy will try to get us to take the easy way. And sometimes we do. And we get ashamed of that. I know I've been there before. Because I've known better. And I've done it anyways because it looked good. But Jesus, he compels us to receive his love. To receive the best way. And it's going to cost you something. And you know, at this point in my life, I've decided if it costs me my life, what is there to fear? I have something beyond this world. So why would I fear that? If my life doesn't just speak of influence, but it speaks of the one who created me, 
that matters most that he's lifted up. So in the Bible, Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm gonna live, it's gonna be for Christ. If I'm gonna die, it's gonna be for Christ and I just gain more. You know, the enemy tries to hurt you early in life so that you'll be led by your hurt instead of by the spirit because whatever you're full of, you're gonna be led by. And I know for me, a lot in my life growing up, I was led by my hurt. And even still sometimes, I'm led by my hurt. And it's frustrating. Because I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be led by my hurt. I wanna be strong. But you know what it takes to be strong? You have to lay down your way. You have to lay down your pride. You have to lay down your selfishness. And you have to be able to pull up what Jesus did. You know what Jesus' response were? The word of God. In the Bible, we hear that the word of God is like a sword and it pierces through bone and marrow. What does that mean? Through the deepest parts, through the thing that keeps you strong. The word of God is actually what enabled Jesus to not only stand strong against the enemy, but to actually be empowered to be who he needed to be for God. And you know, so many times we keep our Bible on a shelf or in an app and we get our reminders and we never look at it and we don't spend time with our creator. And so when the enemy comes, we start searching for scriptures like in its emergency and we like, help, help. And we don't even know what to say because we don't know the word of God. It's so amazing to me in myself when I can pull up a scripture when I need it. And it only happens because I spend time with God. It's not even because I'm smart, because I'm not. I tell the interns all the time, I don't ever, like I have such a hard time remembering the reference to a scripture, but I know the scripture. And the enemy's not looking for my reference, he's looking for the word. <laughs> so as long as I know the word, that's what I care about. You see, Jesus was led so that he might be tested. He was tested so that he might be prepared and he was prepared so that he might be empowered. The wilderness, the temptation enabled Jesus to get to his next level. Jesus goes from being baptized to temptation to being in full-time ministry. Without the temptation, without him passing the test, without him knowing that no matter what happens in my life, I choose my father. I don't know if his ministry would have been that effective because he was human. When you're facing hard times, when you're facing temptation, don't point at the devil and say, the devil made me do it. Don't try to cover up your stuff so that no one else notices the bad choices you're making. Don't, don't think to yourself, what's too hard? I'll take the easy way. When you're facing trials, when you're facing temptation, when you feel alone, what you can know is that maybe God's taking you through a preparation process to release you into what he has for you. And if you can just stand strong in this, if you can just be, stay focused and say, God, no, I know who you are. I might not know what this, what this test is. I might not understand what's going on. I might not know why I'm dealing with this sickness or why I'm dealing with this frustration or why I'm in this situation. But God, I know who you are because I spent time with you and I can speak the word of God over myself that says I'm more than a conqueror, that I have the mind of Christ, that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. So anything that's dead in my life, he can raise it back up to life again. I just wanna tell you one last thing. Nothing great comes without a great price. You're gonna to have to pay a great cost for greatness. I'm gonna give you two quick ways because you're sitting here going, okay, 
I need to know the word of God and I need to follow God, but how do I actually do this in my life when I face hard times, when I face temptation, when I face trials, how do I do this? Number one, look past the temptation of the trial and see where it leads. You see, in the Bible, it says that desire gives birth to sin. Sin, when fully grown, leads to death. If you can look at a temptation and you can go, where does it lead? If you don't want to go down the path and you know it doesn't lead somewhere good, you're going to make better choices. The enemy always tells you half, half truths to make temptation look like the best option and it actually usually looks like the sexiest option. But a desire will look far less sexy if you see where the desire leads. The second thing is look at where the power is coming from behind the temptation or the trial. Temptations are born from confusion and deception about God so that we won't believe that God will take care of us or the, so that he doesn't have a good plan for us. But if you fight to believe that God is who he says he is and who he is is the truth, and you can actually know not just going, does God really love me or does he really want the best for me? But knowing that the Bible says that when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And you can choose truth instead. You can choose freedom instead. A lot of times we think our own way is freedom. But our own way actually leads to death. Sometimes spiritual death, sometimes physical death, sometimes emotional death. Sounds pretty harsh. But I think the Bible talks about it that clearly so we can understand the choice that we're making. Because you either get freedom in life or you get a curse in death. And my way, the easy way, will never lead me to the blessing, to the promise, because I'm flesh. I have to inject the Holy Spirit. I have to talk to God. So before you make that decision, talk to God. Before you react, talk to God. Just know I'm saying this out of a place that I'm still learning. I don't know if I'm gonna ever stop learning. You know, the Bible says that you press towards the goal. And it says that it's gonna be complete that the working that God's doing could be is gonna be complete when Jesus comes. So that could be right now, that could be tomorrow, that could be 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, I don't know. But until I breathe my last breath, I'm gonna keep fighting. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna keep striving to believe that I know that God is stronger than my problems, and so I'm gonna make him bigger than them in my life. I'm gonna pour the word of God into my life. And you know, something that we do sometimes here is we, we take an opportunity and we get out of our seat. And the reason why we do that is not to embarrass you. I, I say it this way, okay? If you can't take action here where you're celebrated and loved, why would you do it out there? You're with people who love you, who wanna stand by you, who wanna celebrate you. And so I'm gonna do two things tonight. And we're gonna, we're gonna sing a part of a song together and I'm gonna pray for you. But if you're a person and you don't have the power of God in your life active and working because you haven't received him, or you're just not accessing the Holy Spirit like you know you should, those two things, you don't know God and you wanna know him. You wanna learn to access the Holy Spirit and you want him active in your life. I'm not gonna count. I just want you to get up from where you are and I want you to stand here because you moving in this room changes your position in the spirit. And I want to challenge you to have enough faith. I'm already up here with you. I need the Holy Spirit. I need His power working in my life. 
So if you're one of those two people, I just want you to start making your way forward. And I want to pray with you. God loves you so much. It doesn't make sense. You can't even quantify or qualify or say this is why or this is how. He loves you. He created you. And tonight what I'm believing for every single person standing up here specifically is that you're going to feel God's love. That you're going to see his power move in your life like never before. And those things that are in your life that you're believing for, that you want to happen, that you're believing to happen, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's going to lead you and he's going to fill you and he's going to show you and he's going to teach you. God, I thank you for every single person standing up here. I pray right now that you would come. God, that they would feel your love like a warmth almost coming up inside of their body. That they would know that you're here. That maybe they haven't felt anything in years. Maybe they felt so numb and so alone. That God, they almost thought that maybe it wasn't worth it for them to be here anymore. But God, because of you, because of your love, what we can understand is not only are we special, but God, we're important in this kingdom. That you want to use us. That God, you want to lead us and guide us and show us the promises that you have for us. So God, I pray right now that those people that want to receive you, that they wouldn't have to fight for it, they wouldn't have to work for it in this moment, that you would just come right now. Open up your hands like this, like you want to receive. God, I just pray that right now you would just come. That any lies the enemy are cast back down to hell where they belong. That no plans the enemy can stand. No temptation. No intimidation. We're going to stop letting the enemy win in our life. He has no authority. He has no place. And in Jesus' name, your light, your life, your truth is going to be lifted higher. I speak freedom in this place. God, I speak healing in this place. The things that have had them bound for years, the things that they thought, I can't do this on my own, that God, they're all of a sudden going to realize they don't have a desire for it anymore because they replaced it with you. They replaced it with seeking you out. God, I thank you that right now you're doing something that only you can do. That God, all we have to do is ask and take action and you make the miracles happen. But God, we're willing and we want it. And we're going to fight for it because we're going to have people that stand alongside of us and they're not going to let us quit. We're not alone in this, God. So I pray right now that you would do what only you can do, that you would touch relationships, marriages, that you would touch bodies, that you would touch any kind of dreams or desires that have been cast down that they don't think is possible. God, that you would do something tonight and we would walk out of here changed forever. Everyone just repeat this after me. And if, if you want to receive Jesus, this is your moment, but we're going to all say this together. I don't know about you, but I want more of Jesus. Everyone say this with me. Say, God, I want more of you. Forgive me of the mistakes I've made. Come into my heart. I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. Jesus name. Amen. Well, guess what? Your life's never going to be the same. You're going to walk away from this altar. You're going to walk out of this place and everything's going to change. And that's what I'm believing for your life. In Jesus name.